What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of On the Power Play. It is me, your boy, Brian, always joined by my fantastic co-hosts, Adam and Matt. Welcome to number episode 47, Alexander Radulov. Apparently 47 is a thin one as well. Uh, Alexander Radulov had a couple of solid seasons with Nashville in 2006, 2007, and 2007, 2008. Before returning to Russia, since his return to the NHL in 16-17, he has been a very good player for Montreal and Dallas. Episode Alexander Radulov. Gentlemen, Adam, Matt, how are we doing, gentlemen? It's the best evening with you boys. You love Tuesdays during hockey season. I'm not going to lie to you, we struggled a bit in the offseason. There was a bit of a struggle bus, but that's to be expected. You know, there's there's nothing to talk about. Uh, However, apparently there was stuff to talk about, just no one was reporting about it. Uh, until Ooh. now, which you know, we will Ooh. touch on again. We spent a whole lot of last episode on, so we will try not to hark on it too aggressively. Uh, but you know, we got to do our due diligence of reporting these things, so bear with us. Uh, but let's get into some NHL news. Carey Price, as we know, has been away from the Montreal Canadiens for personal reasons, uh, enrolled himself in the NHL's player assistance program, and apparently is to be returning soon according to head coach Dominic Ducharme uh he said quote we haven't had it confirmed yet but we're expecting him to be in town soon but we don't have an exact date the 34 year old price underwent knee surgery on July 22nd and entered the program on October 7th so as we are kind of aware the uh Montreal Canadiens not off to a hot start uh by any means uh they are in last in the Atlantic Division with a two and eight and O record and just recalled and just sent down, just sent down Cole Caulfield for whatever reason. So do you think a carry price return would either turn this team around, maybe make them more competitive, possibly make them good. Uh, What do you think a carry price return would do for this team? It definitely sparks the competitive juices. Like when you're really kind of, scraping for crumbs as to for looking for motivation to have probably your biggest leader actually i mean your second biggest leader you're already missing your captain so he pretty much is the biggest leader in that locker room and uh having him back should you know people tend to play hard in front of a goalie that you know it it works hard and they they have familiar you know, ties with. So I right. think, I think it will make a pretty big impact. Now they're still missing a lot of pieces of the puzzle. So, and that's their big problem. Yeah. Especially because, because you're right. When you reference the missing of uh, Weber and then price, it's like, you're missing two of your locker rooms, keystones, as it were, just two of the biggest guys for your locker room, for your team. So that could that could be one of the factors for the Canadians' bad start, but I don't think it's the biggest factor. Personally, I just don't think they're a good team. But also, you know, they we didn't think they were a good team at the beginning of the playoffs last year, and lo and behold, there they there they were at the end in the mix to win a cup, uh, even though they got demolished by just a far better team, which we expected. But uh, Adam, how about you? How do you think a Carey Price return would affect this uh, Montreal Canadiens team? Do you think it's beneficial? Do you think it would it would harm them or make them the same i think it would help them tremendously because it gives them 
confidence in their goaltending. I mean, I got to see, I did pull up their roster. You know, you've got Jake Allen, Samuel Montembo, and that's it. That's your goaltending tandem without Carey Price. I don't know about you guys. I have no confidence in anyone, but maybe occasionally Jake Allen. Yeah, Jake Allen, not a bad goaltender. Not an everyday guy, though. Very Brian, very yeah. Brian Elliott-esque in his ways. I definitely can't, you know, say he's bad because he shut the Sharks out and the Sharks were doing very well up until that game. So, Carey Price coming back gives them some confidence, which I think will help. Uh, to kind of note on the Cole Caulfield thing, uh, I'll... I'll uh, field the question to you gentlemen man's played 10 games how many points do you think he scored in those 10 games i'm gonna say three okay yeah, it's it's three right you would both be wrong he has scored one point oh yeah we won one assist in yeah. 10 games a minus three which i think is the only one that'll you know appreciate that minus three in He's- the negative way yeah, I He's definitely been, don't appreciate the minus three, but it's definitely eye-opening. So, I see, I can see that being part of the reason why he's getting sent down. I haven't watched any of the Canadians, so I haven't seen body language or anything like that. But when we think about the trials and tribulations that Toronto is going through, a lot of that is confidence-based. Mm-hmm. If you look at the body language of one Mitch Marner prior to the goal he scored moments ago, uh, that I actually sent you gentlemen before we started recording. The body language between when the season started and now is different. And it seems like Marner is starting to come around to enjoying himself on the ice again. And I think by sending Caulfield down and letting him play the AHL level hockey to kind of start rebuilding his confidence, like, Hey, I still have it. And then bringing him up with a hopefully really good carry price in net. Jake Allen doing what he seems to be doing, which is, you know, okay. He's good every one in three nights. And that's so, exactly what you would expect from a B, you know? Exactly. So I think all that combined can help dig Montreal out of the hole they're in, but they're in a deep hole. I think I saw their record was like two and eight. Right. Yeah. They're two, eight, no, with four points right now and a negative 15 goal diff. It's not not good, obviously, but it's not impossible. Yeah, it's not impossible. I don't foresee Carey Price making a massive impact on his play as much as I agree with you two gentlemen, where I think it makes a bigger impact in the locker room as a leader, uh, especially without having Shea Weber. And then you got Cole Caulfield coming going down. And yeah, Adam, I agree with you there. Uh, A lot of people discount the amount that just confidence alone can do for you when playing hockey, no matter what position you are, just having confidence immediately takes you two ticks up as a better player. Even if that's not the player you are or the player that you strive to be or are achieving to be having just confidence in your ability to play the game and play it at a high level ticks you up at least two notches as far as the player that you are. Um, You know, I, I would, I don't always like to harp on the flyers, but I would like to preference a Derek Broussard. He's not going to blow your socks off with his play by any means, but he's on a line with Cam Atkinson and Joel Farabee, and it's giving him confidence to just do his thing, distribute the puck, play hard in the corners, and he's doing it to perfection almost, where he's playing two notches above the player that he probably is, 
but it's because of his confidence and his confidence in his line mates. And that can be said for tons of lines across this league, but that, that's, that's just the most hockey I've been watching. That's why I reference it. But Carey Price coming back could do great things for them, could do at least decent things for them so that they can look like a semblance of either what they were or a semblance of a hockey team. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, but he is set to return. No exact date quite yet, but that is to be determined. And we will be keeping track of that when he comes back. A, another player kind of goes uh, and leaves their team due to personal reasons as Dylan Larkin of the Detroit Red Wings has decided to step down. Um, and they are playing in Canada right now, which also has them down the unvaccinated Tyler Bertuzzi. So that's two of the three guys on their top line. Um, so it just, it just says that he has stepped away for personal reasons and doesn't expand upon that. Uh, that's what the team announced. So I'm not obviously not going to ask you gentlemen what exactly we think it is because we don't know, but you're now missing two out of the three guys on your top line who has been absolutely humming early on in the season here while you're on this Canada trip right now, the Detroit Red Wings are in fourth place in the Atlantic division with a four, three and two record with 10 points. I mean, we all expected them to be pretty bad, but they're actually playing decent to just below good hockey right now. How do you think Larkin stepping away for, you know, who knows how long is going to impact this team? Because that's not only their captain, but one of their best forwards. Well, it's t- well, you, you kind of are – looking at the bright spot that you are on this road trip and you are on a Canadian road trip and you kind of think depending on who they're playing that they might be better than the opponents who they're playing. Like if they're playing Montreal, Toronto. Well, they, they could are have playing a- Montreal actually right now as we speak and they're already down 2 nothing at the end of the first. All right, well, that's not a good start for them. Uh, yeah, it's going to struggle, but we don't really know what's happening. So, right. And we, we don't necessarily know what's going on with, you know, Dylan Larkin's personal life and everything like that. And that's why we're not commenting on it, but we can comment on the fact that this can't be good for the Red Wings team, you know, for a team that's kind of shocked people. I don't see how this could be fortuitous for them. Uh, Adam, how about you? I think they have enough skill on this team that they can weather the storm for a little bit. I mean, obviously, we're not going to know how long Larkin's going to be out for. It could be days. It could be weeks. It could be months. We don't know. We you know, can't really speculate. Um, but looking at guys like Lucas Raymond, uh, Joe Valeno, Philip Zadina, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, when they head back to the States, I think those guys are going to be able to kind of keep the ship afloat for a little bit. Eventually, I think those wheels will fall off. And I think depending on how long Larkin's out for it, it will result in something, you know, happening. Right. I don't think it's uh full on hit the panic button yet for the Red Wings. I, I think they'll they'll be okay. I do have to say it's kind of interesting to see the amount of players stepping away for personal reasons uh at this juncture of the season. It seems like it's it. just it, I like it too. Like if you need it, you need it. It's just really early in the year and I'm wondering, you know, uh, has the Chicago Blackhawks and Kyle Beats situation weighed heavily on everybody involved uh, in the NHL at this point? I think it's a combination of things. I mean, we haven't talked about it much, but like we're coming off of, 
you know, the, the probably the worst two years of our lives with COVID. And I mean, we were lucky enough, I, I would think, that, you know, didn't really affect us too much. We still, you know, got to kind of do our normal routines to a degree. Some of us were stuck at home. That took a toll on a lot of people. These mm-hmm. guys were away from their families and like secluded for months on end, especially when they went to the playoffs in the bubble. And that played a, a big toll on people. And then you go into the hectic shortened season that was last season. I can only imagine the the stress and how much more hectic that was for all these guys. And now you have the short summer going into a now like, all right, everything's back to normal. Nothing, you know, nothing happened. So you take all that, accompany it with the Chicago Blackhawks situation and everything else going on around the league. These guys have got to be stressed out of their minds. Right. Which, which makes sense. It does. Um, so I, I'm with you, uh, Adam, there about, you know, I support guys needing to step away if they need to. Um, to keep moving forward here, Sidney Crosby has made his season debut with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That was actually, Woo-hoo. I believe, last night. No, on October 30th uh, in a 4-2 loss to the New Jersey Devils. Uh, also, Sidney Crosby ended up pulling down uh, Jesper Bratt in the slot with three minutes left in the game, leading to the deciding penalty shot uh, that Bratt ended up beating goaltender Tristan Jari with a backhander, basically to seal the Devils' win. Uh, so obviously not a great comeback for Sid the Kid. Um, but, you know, all in all, what we do know about Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins is the Pittsburgh Penguins are a better team when Sidney Crosby is involved. Right now, the team is sitting at 3-3-2 three, three, and two with eight points at the bottom of the Metro division. Um, do you think that the impact of Sidney Crosby coming back is going to be as major as some people are saying or relatively pretty minor? In my opinion, I think it's going to be relatively pretty minor. Uh, penguins are going to Penguin. <laughs> All I'm going to say, Penguins are going to Penguin. It's true. They just they constantly do it. Uh, Matt, how about you? I mean, we've, we've seen constant Sidney Crosby in our – hockey uh i guess you could say hockey fan careers and then commentators now but uh what how do you think it'll impact this this penguins team who right now seems to be kind of uh barely treading water yeah well uh uh jack sullivan he kind of understands that you know Sidney crosby's kind of a guy you can throw around in the lineup and chemistry will happen so i don't think he's panicking that much I think he's trying to really understand how his team got off to a high explosive start at the first week, two weeks of the year. And he wants to make sure that his team can continue to do that when, you know, Sid obviously playing full time and uh, Malkin's playing full time and the Tang's out there and Getzel's out there and then Rust and Carter and their depth players. They right. got their full squad. Um, so it's, it definitely is interesting, man. You know, we talk about all the time how tough the Metropolitan Division is. And, uh, you know, it, you can't take long to figure things out. You got to figure things out pretty quickly. Yeah, things will backfire and spin you out of control and at the bottom of the division very quickly in the Metro. As the Penguins have learned, uh, they've dropped three in a row and are now in last place in the division and they're still three, three, and two. They don't even have a losing record. 
Um, so that's that's basically all you need to know about the division. So I I really think the impact is going to be relatively minor. That's just a, that's just a me opinion there. Um, just because I'm not discounting Sid by any means. It's just to me he's not the same player he was even three years ago that he is now. So we'll we'll have to see obviously, but obviously not a bright and shiny start for Sid's return. That's for certain. Um, so this has just come across the wire here from ESPN. The Chicago Blackhawks and Kyle Beach's attorneys hold, quote, respectful and cordial settlement meeting today. They had that. So the settlement for those two um, entities uh, seems to be going in the right fashion. And in reality, with the whole situation which again if you want to hear kind of the nuts and bolts about you can go back to last episode where we discuss it in depth um it's good to see that this is moving in a respectable manner and not completely flying off the handle like it could do honestly uh if they let it so hopefully this continues that way where it goes in a respectful manner and then things can actually be discussed and taken care of and the league can try uh, not a ju- not just the league, but the Chicago Blackhawks can try to be a respectable organization again, even though that will take time for anybody to respect them. Uh, to keep moving forward here, big signing this last week as the New York Rangers have secured their Norris Trophy winning defenseman in Adam Fox with a seven-year, $9.5 AAV contract. Holy shit. That is a lot of money. Big money. So much money. It is a grand total of sixty-six and a half million dollar contract spread over seven years. I, I mean, we know the Rangers have money, but hot diggity damn, you better hope he doesn't have a sophomore slump because the entirety of New York media will be at your throat if he does. I actually they just released a breakdown if you want to hear what he's gonna be making over those seven years. Yeah, what do we got here? All right, so 22-23 season, $11 million salary. No bonuses, no add-ons, no nothing. Uh, 23-24 and 24-25, he makes $12 million. Again, no bonuses, no add-ons, no nothing. Uh, in the 25-26 season, $9.5 million salary with a no-movement clause. So they have three years of you know possibly being able to move him if they decide they want to go crazy. Uh, in 26, 27, it's a $1 million salary with a $6.5 million signing bonus. Again, no movement clause in 27, 28, same deal. Uh, only a quarter of the salary gone in the salary bonus and he gets a 16 team, no trade list. And in the last year of his deal, it's a $2.5 million salary with a $4.75 million signing bonus and another 16-team, no-trade list. So he's making that big money early. Um, Which is, I think, how a lot of these deals tend to get structured out. Especially with a kid this young, they tend to shake out this way because you never know if he's going to be this way his entire career or not. So the money usually becomes less and less guaranteed as the contract moves forward. Um, But, you know, good for Adam Fox for getting your big money there, especially from an organization like the Rangers who, you know, have had their their issues recently with uh, retaining players and keeping players happy. Um, so we will see how Adam Fox's career goes now. Uh, from what we know from our friends who are Rangers fans, they are very happy with Adam Fox and are very excited that he is staying in New York. So congratulations to him. 
Good on you to go get that bread, my boy. Oh boy, I just I'm looking at that cat friendly right now, and I just realized that uh, Sammy Blay needs a contract extension at the end of the year. <laughs> I like Sammy Blay too, but I don't ex- unless he has a pretty damn good season. I don't foresee the extension being massive if it if he even wants to stay in New York. You know, here's all they need to resign Ryan Strom, which honestly I feel like they won't. I don't know why. I just feel like he's probably gone. Sammy Blay, Capo Caco, uh, Julian Gautier, again, another guy that's probably gone. Craig McKegg, Kevin Rooney, not going to make a lot of money. Libor Hijack, who is a defenseman prospect. He, I don't know, he could stick around. And the other one I'm kind of concerned about, honestly, if I'm a Rangers fan, uh, Alexander Georgiev. Yeah, that one, because that, that I think he would be making the most money out of all those guys that you listed, more than likely. Um, so a lot of those guys that you listed are probably going to fall off the wayside just because of that alone. Yeah. And I mean, they have $8 million of cap to work with. So we'll see. I said it in our group chat when the, uh, the deal was announced, I expect some cap casualties to come from this. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? I mean, GMs kind of have a way of working around these things, but I mean, I, I easily see Capo and Lafreniere uh, not this season, but next season, eating up six or seven mil easy. Right. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that as well. Um, but either way, the story goes good for Adam Fox on getting that bread. Um, especially I, why have defense been been getting paid this year? Because they good. They're rare. That too. I guess, but like Seth Jones got bank bank and he sucks right now. Well, that's me, I'm actually curious to see who all got signed recently. Charlie McAvoy, Darnell Nurse, uh, Dougie is- Hamilton, Seth Jones, Adam Fox now. Okay, hold on. I, I might be discovering a pattern here. What is I, I'll while I look for this information, what is the most valuable defenseman you can think of? And Dougie Hamilton, probably. Well, in, in terms of uh play style, two way defenseman, player. Uh, two, a two way guy is definitely two way defenseman, the that most beneficial, out. but you need a two way yeah, defenseman that doesn't absolutely sell out on the defensive side of the puck. <laughs> Sandheim. Would, would you say a right handed defenseman is also pretty important and pretty? Uh, rare, they're rare. Yeah, they're they rare. are rare. A lot of D men are lefties. What if I told you that so far of the three big defensemen that just got signed, they're all right-handed? Yeah, that checks out. I mean, finding a good right-handed defenseman is hard nowadays. I, I don't know why, but most of them are lefties. Um, a lot of the right-handed defensemen right now are kind of old guard kind of guys. Um. I know I'm going to talk about the Flyers again here, but Justin Braun, for example, kind of an old head, but he's a right-handed defenseman. Ellis. Ellis. Kel McCarr, Charlie McAvoy, Adam Fox, Seth Jones. All guys that made, I think, the same exact contract. Nine mil, I think. No. McAvoy's eating, yeah, no, 9.5. Adam Fox, nine. Seth Jones, 9.5. All of them right-handed. All with different sets of talent, I would say, as well. Exactly. I don't know. That's, weird. That's, fa- that's fascinating that you that you kind of found that nugget of info that they're all, all righties. 
I, I'm trying to remember. I very well could have heard it from the person I'm refraining from referring to because he gets. I know you're going to do it. I know you want to do it. Say his name. No. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm pretty, I don't know if it was him or somebody else, but I have often heard that right handed defensemen are gold in the NHL. And when you have them, you keep them. And it's especially because a lot of the skill, a lot of the skilled two way defensemen, specifically left handed. I don't know. That's I'm not That's an interesting point. But I'm surprised. I'm kind of excited I picked that up. Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up there. That's something to kind of monitor, I guess. Um, but to keep moving forward here, we are gonna get into some iffy stuff here. So what I do want to do now, and I I know I forgot to do it last episode, and that's on me. I do apologize. Uh, I would like to give a um trigger warning. For those, if you're sharing with somebody or if you're listening and you have been affected or the person you are sharing with has been affected in some way by sexual assault in their lives and you would like to notify them or you would also like to be notified, this is a trigger warning. We will be talking about a sexual assault incident, a different one than the Blackhawks one, but still going to be doing that. Also a trigger warning for a uh, racism situation that we will also be talking about. Um, So right now, um, I'm going to stamp it for when you can hop back in if this is something that you don't want to listen to, um, just as a forewarning. So here we go. Um, We have new-ish, kind of, I guess, newly brought to light again, sexual assault allegations involving the Pittsburgh Penguins minor league team, the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Penguins. Uh, Bill Guerin, Mario Lemieux, and Ron Burkle are all defendants in a sexual assault, assault lawsuit dating back to 2018. Here's the official lawsuit uh, kind of um, uh, breakdown, I guess you could say, kind of statement here. Um, The lawsuit will state that sexual abuse took place on a team road trip to Providence, Rhode Island on November 11, 2018, and that the team's handling of the incident included Scaldi's husband, Jared, uh, being told to keep quiet by organization management, Aaron Scaldi being called a liar and never being interviewed as part of the team's investigation, along with Jared Scaldi being fired from the organization. Now, at the time, Jared Scaldi uh, was, I believe, their coach, assistant coach. Yes, Uh, at the time was the assistant coach. And there was a specific situation where he was, um, I guess, out with um, who was the individual? Um was out with coach uh, Clark Donatelli and uh, Donatelli ended up uh, sexually assaulting Aaron Scaldi, the wife of assistant coach Jared Scaldi. Um, This is coming to light in an interesting situation where Scott Bowman was forced to step down from his USA hockey president position and his fill in is Bill Guerin. This is really fascinating how two figureheads in the USA hockey are both circled around hiding sexual assault allegations. This is where things are really going to start to get fishy with a lot of what's going to be happening here soon and is happening right now is where does this leave USA hockey as an organization as well as the NHL? Because now these two things are being talked about in depth by so many league commentators and journalists alike 
things of that nature. It's all over Twitter. People are now talking about it. And both of these things happened in the NHL in the last 10 years. This is only a decade. This is not like spanning many, many years or something like that. This is in the same decade. It, it's, re- uh, it's really becoming hard to report on these things, folks. We do apologize that we have to, but we do have to do our due diligence as you know, NHL journalists, as it were, uh, in the way that we go about things and how we handle our business here on the podcast. Um, but man, this is, this is going to be tough uh, for USA Hockey. So if you're USA Hockey, uh, gentlemen, how do you respond to this with Bill Guerin newly being named your president because Scott Bowman had to step down because of his sexual assault allegation cover-up. <laughs> well, do you just do the same thing as replace another guy? Like, I mean, you would have to, right? Yeah, yeah. But like who, you, have to. you know? Who? There's so many people tied up in this stuff, you know? Brian Burke, just make it Brian Burke. I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess, but, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, at this point, it's like, who hasn't done something shady? Who Who is not shady left to pick for these types of positions nowadays? Because I, for some reason, I feel like that list is getting much smaller as we go on here. I, I said it. I'm pretty sure I said it last episode. If not, I've said it a couple times in the group chat. Pulling the Brian Aldrich thread open Pandora's box, and it's just a trickle-down effect of Everything is now coming out, regardless if it's related to Aldridge or not. The box is open, and now anything shady that happened is going to come out. And yeah. hey, roll for it. Agreed. Completely agreed. And I think um, that, I think that's what we have to kind of bear down and mentally deal with moving here forward as we cover the NHL. This is something that is not going to get taken care of or go away anytime soon. If not, get it might just get worse, which I think is what Adam is referring to here. Oh, um, yeah. It's definitely going to get worse. I mean, we're, you're already seeing it. Yeah. I mean, and we have something else on top of this. Um, the, the This this specific Bill Guerin situation, there's not a whole lot of news on it yet. It's just that the lawsuit has been filed and that the story is out now. So we'll have to follow that as well because this is even, you know, we know even less about this than we knew about the Blackhawk situation last week. So – we will keep you updated on this as well to move forward to more shady stuff happening in the NHL. Um, if we recall last year, there was a situation within the, uh, yeah, you guessed it, the 2010 Blackhawks organization for their minor league squad. Uh, a player by the name of Akeem Aliu, who was with the, ooh, excuse me, uh, with the, uh, what's the team name? The Rockford Ice Hogs in 20, uh, 2009, 2010. Um, was called the N-word multiple times by then head coach Bill Peters, who has since, you know, left the organization. They said they were doing a uh, private investigation and it's, and everybody forgot about it. Well, now things are heating up again because of what's going on with the already Blackhawks 2010 situation. So now we're sitting here looking at the 2010, I guess specifically, even though it goes on farther, the 2010 Blackhawks entire organization not just the chicago blackhawks but now we're looking at the rockford ice hogs i don't know who their echl affiliate at the time was but now we gotta look at them too because who knows this entire organization is mired in to be frank shitty people 
Yeah, it's, it's and it's it's a black, it's a dark light casted on the NHL because they're you know the Chicago Blackhawks are one of the premier teams in this sport. Yes, and they're one of the original six teams who are supposed to be a spearhead for the sport. They're supposed to be a respected franchise, somebody that does their best to uphold the NHL's values of being a quality organization, <laughs> and they're doing the actual exact opposite. And it's mind-boggling because uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because there are reports where the NHL has looked at this investigation that they did and have, quote, said it is utterly lacking in the truth and are now going forward and um, doing their own investigation. Uh, On Monday, after um, it was said that the investigation was complete and that the league had been in contact with the league's representatives, it was said, quote, this is news to me and not true. I am Akeem's representative, and the NHL has not been in touch with us for over a year. So now, not only do the Blackhawks look bad, the NHL looked bad already, but now they look worse because it looks like, yet again, they tried to cover something up. That was talked about a year ago. Yes, we have a podcast that we talked about this. However, it looks like it was completely swept under the rug. And uh, Akeem Aliyu's representative has said, basically, the NHL hasn't reached out to me. I don't know who they reached out to, but it wasn't to the right people. So at this point, it's really becoming ridiculous as to how much is being covered up all of the time by organizations and the NHL. Adam, you're right, man. The the, the Pandora's box has been opened, and it is ugly what is inside. I mean, if we want to kind of continue down the the – train of you know the nhl is starting to look bad i don't know did either of you guys see the the press conference with uh bettman and daily i think yesterday i wasn't able to know uh i didn't watch the full thing um but i heard it talked about and apparently they did the press conference and they did the q a and rick westhead who has been the really the the torchbearer i think He's done an incredible job of reporting on this, by the way. Shout out to Rick Westhead from TSN. Yes, absolutely. I'm actually, as we're recording now, I'm watching more of his tweets come through about the the Chicago Blackhawks lawyers and Kyle Beach's lawyers talking and all that information's trickling through now. Great job. I don't know when this man sleeps, but this man needs to sleep. I just uh, just listened to him on the uh, Fun Fact, the Steve Dangle podcast. Ah. I just listened to him. Uh, yeah, this time I brought it up. Uh, I just listened to him, and from what it sounds like, he does not sleep. Uh, I don't yeah, think no. the man gets a lick of sleep. He is on this, like, white on rice uh, and is doing a fantastic job, so shout out to him. Yes. Uh, however, right now, again, not a whole lot is known about but, the Akeem Aliyu situation, even though it happened a year ago, this investigation, quote-unquote, that has, quote-unquote, according to the NHL, been finished. Who knows if that's true? Um so these are things that we're going to have to keep track of, uh, but, uh, which is unfortunate, but who back, knows? Back to the thing I was getting to, though, with Rick Westhead. He was sitting in that press conference waiting to ask a question, and the NHL starts calling out this guy from The Athletic, this guy from TSN, this guy from insert hockey writer uh, organization here. Goes on for like 30 minutes. And then Pierre LeBron gets on and goes, hey, um, you know, thank you for, you know, taking my question. I really hope my colleague Rick Westhead gets a question in before this is over and then proceeds with his question. 
Another 15 minutes goes by before Rick Westhead finally gets on. And it's because the NHL knows Rick Westhead is on this. And I mean, on this, on this, and he will not sleep until everything that he can find gets uncovered, which good for him and good for Pierre Lebrun, you know? Absolutely. It was a great move by LeBron to, you know, kind of force the NHL's hand because there's no telling if they would have, you know, even allowed Rick to get a question in. But I'm, I'm no body language reading expert. I'm not, you know, I can't read people that way very often. But the minute Rick Westhead's name came up, I looked at Bettman and he was just like. Dear in the, he was just. He, he didn't care. And no. even you could tell in his answers that he didn't want to answer his questions. I, one of the questions was like, are you going to provide John Doe to the, the high school student that was also attacked by Aldridge, um, assaulted by Aldridge, um, the same level of, you know, care that you're providing Kyle Beach? And he said, I'm going to need more information on that. Yeah. So, you know, basically he's just swatting away you know, a high quality journalist question, which is yeah. disgusting, which, especially with how many years Rick Westhead has had logged in this league with the amount of connections he has, with the amount of friends in organizations he has. Just the fact that Gary Bettman and the NHL are basically disregarding him as many times as they possibly can is disgusting, honestly. If I'm going to play devil's advocate, which I, I like to try and do in these situations, because it, it it's very easy to kind of tunnel vision and be like every, everything bad. But right. So have to look at the other side of the coin and see where guys like Batman and all of them come from. And while granted what they're doing right now is definitely not enough. I don't, mm-hmm. there needs to be more done. At the end of the day, it's still a business they're trying to run. Right. They're not going to, I don't want to say they're not going to do the things that are going to ultimately jeopardize the business, but they're going to do things that are going to inevitably help them look kind of better and right. not completely paint things in a light that's like NHL bad. But, but the, you know, they have to do. Exactly. But at the same time, what they're doing is painting the NHL to look bad. At the, Yeah, at the same time. It's bad either way, whatever they do. Um, But these are things that we will continue to report on as news comes out. So stay tuned for when those things become uh, present and up to date. Uh, All righty then to move forward. We uh, we're, we're done the, uh, I guess you could call it the, the sad talk or whatever you want to call that. Um, We now have serious hats are off. The serious hats are off. We're back to fun hockey talk here. Um, Smile. We got the stars of the month in the NHL as the first month of the league has concluded. Are your third star of the month, Carolina Hurricanes goaltender, Frederick Anderson, the throwaway scapegoat of those Toronto Maple Leafs. He has played seven games. He has a 7-0-0 record, a 129 goals against, and a 956 save percentage as the Carolina uh, Hurricanes are still undefeated. Can I plug my uh, fun fact? Yes, you can. Since you already pulled the Band-Aid off of the Steve Dangle mention, I'll say I, I heard there this you go. on the Steve Dangle podcast last night. 
that Mr. Freddie Anderson is just four wins away from breaking former goaltending partner Jack Campbell's consecutive wins record. And those <laughs> Carolina Hurricanes are not slowing down. They are in full. F- they don't miss Dougie Hamilton at all. No. And it's, I don't know if we necessarily wrote them off in our early season previews, but we were kind of like, you, you lost Nadelkovich, you lost Hamilton. What are you going to do? And they said, how about we just drop eight wins, no losses? And an absolute godlike Freddie Anderson. You want to talk about Ginger Jesus? Can't he's, he's the Ginger Jesus of the goaltending world. Uh, also, to touch on Nadelkovich, he is uh, he is doing perfectly fine in Detroit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. playing out of his absolute mind. Um, so good we for him. there. But uh, could you imagine a Frederick Anderson Nadelkovich combo deal? Little little Bro. combo combo in Carolina. Carolina's eighty two zero and zero. That would be ridiculous. Um, uh, to keep going here, the second star for the month of October, number ninety seven for those pesky Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid. Currently sitting at eight games played, seven goals, 10 assists for 17 points and a plus two. Uh, I don't think that comes as a shock to anybody by any means that he's on this it's more list. more of a shock that he's not the first star. Yeah, we'll really. get into the first star because it is also well-deserved. A number eight for your Washington Capitals. Of course. Alexander Ovechkin, nine games played, nine goals, six assists for 15 points and a plus seven. And, uh, you know, to be frank, as far as playing the body is concerned, he has laid the hammer a couple of times this season. Uh, not only is he scoring at will, basically, because what, is, what else does Ovi do? But he is just deciding that he is going to beat people up while he's doing it uh, because that's, that's Ovi. What, what do you want? Yeah. He's, he's an insane person. Uh, so he is very much, very, very much deserving of that first star. Also ranked one of the 100 greatest players, according to NHL.com. Uh, they get Ooh. a little emblem next to their uh, their name and stats. That's why I bring it up there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then last but not least, certainly not least, the rookie of the month of October, number 53 for the Detroit Red Wings, Moritz Cedar, right now sitting at nine games played, no goals, but eight assists for eight points and a zero on the plus minus. He is feeding pucks to these forwards. Talk about a, a, a just a good defenseman. Yeah. Uh, just a very, very Keith Yandel-esque in the way that he is able to distribute a puck offensively. Uh, and he's just a kid. I mean, he's 20 years old and is an absolute show to watch on the defensive side of the puck. So very excited for him. That is super cool for the Detroit Red Wings, uh, a team that, again, is shocking currently, but also at the same time, playing it's, really well so it, it, it's Steve Yzerman's Red Wings I mean they're, they're basically going to become the the lightning in the next couple of years I, I imagine I mean you, you really think so I mean I, I know that Stevie Y is at the helm but like still I mean I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight like obviously it's going to be a process but I would not be surprised if in three four five years from now the Red Wings are looking like the Tampa Bay Lightning. Would I would I say I would be surprised? Uh, no. Uh, would I say that I'm expecting it? Also, no. But obviously, it's Stevie Y. He's done it before. Let's see if he can do it with his uh, former 
former great team in the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, those were your stars of the month of October. Thank you to the NHL and the NHL.com. Moving forward, we have some fun stuff to cap off the podcast tonight. As uh, Brian has swallowed the bullet and has gotten oh, Jesus. the athletic.com subscription. We're, we're just going to, we're just going to eat it. I'm going to make it a business expense at this point. Uh, I'm just there going to go. send that invoice directly to Southside Productions. Thanks. Thanks guys. Um, but this article <laughs> I found really fun. It's an article that basically built a 20 man roster of history's terrible starts that turned out. Okay. The, the specific players. Now, I'm not going to go through the entire 20-man roster, but I am going to go through the starting lineup of this team. Are you gentlemen ready? Always. Couldn't be more ready. All right. Starting at forward for this bums, if you will. Here's the description it says here. This flashy megastar is an Art Ross winner and finished second in scoring last year, but this year he's barely doing anything as the calendar flips from October to November. 11 games into the season, he hasn't had so much as a single multi-point game and is sitting at a pedestrian eight points overall, way below his career average. Even worse, he's already a minus eight on the season, cementing his reputation as a one-way threat who barely knows how to find the defensive zone. (laughs) Only now he's not scoring and the other end either. Boo this man, however, Ooh. who you just booed was the 1996-1997 Yormir Yager. <laughs> and here's how that turned out. He breaks out with a four-point night in game 12, one of three he'll have in the next two months. He'll end up missing 20 games to injury, but still finishes the season with almost 100 points. They're in the league in points per game. Oh, and then he wins each of the next four scoring titles. That is the man that you just booed and called a bum. Yormir Yager, forward numero dos. Let's hear it. Do you have any comments on the Yormir Yager thing? I just think it's funny. I love it. Uh, It's been so long. I like that that's the first first player. Was that start off hot? Where where were those? That was from 96, you said? That was his stats in 96? 96, 97. I'm curious to see. I'm trying to pull up his stats right now from where he's playing. Uh... Yeah, well, yeah. I, forgot. I sometimes completely forget he is still playing hockey. He is. Uh, he is in. Uh, he's playing for the Kladno Knights of the Czech League. 17, Gotta love that. Seventeen games played. Uh, I'll let you guys guess. How many points do you think he has in seventeen games played? I'm gonna say ten. Okay. Ish. Let's say. I'm gonna say seventeen. Ooh. Keep in mind, the man He's raised me. The man is 49 years old. Correct. Yep. Six, six goals, seven assists for 13 points. Aha, the yeah. price is right rules. Consider I win. You went over. Uh, two, two, seasons oh, ago, <laughs> two seasons ago, he put up 29 points. And last season, he put up 12 in 19 games played. All righty then. How about it, Yormir? You keep playing, big guy. You Legend. keep doing it. Absolute legend of the, of the sport. Um, so to continue with these forwards, uh, it has it listed bum number two. Hope you're ready for this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> expectations were sky high for this established star who just want a heart to go with a rocket Richard. He looked okay early, scoring his first two goals of the season in his second game. 
but those would be his last goals for almost a month as he went his next nine games without scoring. And as the slump went on, he wasn't even getting many shots. He'd finally score again by the second week of November, but you can kiss those trophies goodbye, slumpy. Boo this man. Boo. All right. You just booed 2008-2009 Alexander Ovechkin. let's see how this turned out he'd score in each of his next five games and never really slowed down from there he'd finish the season with 56 goals 110 points and the second most shots in the history of the nhl and would indeed capture both the heart and richard for his second straight season man a younger (laughs) Ovi line already scares me and i don't know who the center is oh don't worry it gets better because uh at center bum number three this player had been considered an elite superstar for a full decade, but everyone slows down eventually, and this guy dropped off big time. He went pointless in his first five games and nine of his first 10, and by mid-November, he was on pace for just 10 goals and 40 points in a full season. Hey, nobody dominates forever, but boo this man! Boo! Oh, you just booed 2015-2016 Sidney Crosby. Ooh. Ah, yes. Yeah, that's it- fair. It turned out this way. Game 19 launched a scoring streak and Crosby stayed red hot for most of the rest of the season. He'd end up earning first team all-star honors, was Hart Trophy runner-up, and won the first of two straight Conn Smythe trophies as the Penguins captured back-to-back cups. Oh, yeah. See, now it's fitting that I booed him because that's the year that he beat the Sharks for the cup. Indeed it is fitting, isn't it? (laughs) Big boos coming from Adam here. Hey, Matt, I'm going to need some boos out of you here, kid. You hated those two. I only booed, I only boo fucking what flyers right now. Boo. <laughs> hey, it's not their fault that uh, that goal got called back. Man, yeah. where's this during Halloween? Bullshit. bullshit. All the, all, we're all sounding like ghosts. So it's, num- it's number one bullshit. Um, number one bullshit. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, if- I'm, I'm just trying to like really uh, follow all the stat lines, you know? You know, it, even the great players struggle. I it's think true. That's kind of, yeah, it's I true. think that's the kind of underlying uh, statement that you, you can be great and still struggle in the sport. <clears throat> yeah, especially early in the season, which is why this article was written, because people are basically writing off players already and we're not even into November yet. We just began November. So that's why hockey fans are funny. Um, to keep pushing forward here, we have those defensemen to worry about now, Ooh. don't we? Bum number one in the first pairing. This youngster has lived up to the considerable hype over his first two years in the league, but now it's year three and time to take the next step, and it's just not happening. This so-called offensive whiz has only four points through eight games, just two at even strength. Oh, and he's a minus player. Forget about revolutionizing the sport and maybe focus on finding your own end, kid. Boo this man. Oh, gentlemen, you just booed 1968-1969 Bobby Orr. Oh, (laughs) feel bad moment. Feel bad moment. Here's how it turned out. This turned out to be pretty much the last time or looked mortal until his knees gave out. He'd have seven points over his next four games on his way to 21 goals and 64 points, both of which established single season records for defensemen. He'd also finish the year as a plus 55, tying the all time mark. He'd win the Norris and be a heart finalist for the first time, then go on to absolutely obliterate the record book over the next six years. <laughs> Jesus. Bobby Orr. Oh, hockey fans are some of the most fascinating individuals maybe of all time. 
Oh, here we go. Bum number two on this first pairing. At 22, this defenseman was coming off a breakout 60-point season that seemed to establish him as a future Norris contender. But his follow-up year sees him faceplant right out of the gate as he was on the ice for all four goals against a 4-1 opening night loss. That level of play continued through most of October, and through nine games, this so-called stud had just two points, both secondary assists, none of five on five, and was sporting an embarrassing minus six. Oh, well, guess he was just a one-year wonder. Boo this man. Boo. Oh, gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. You booed the 1992-1993 Nicholas Lidstrom. (laughs) Here's how it turned out. Nicholas Lidstrom went on to become Nicholas Lidstrom. Hey, he might win a Norris someday after all. (laughs) (laughs) That might happen. Oh, man. I got to say, this uh, this athletic subscription already paying off. This is incredible stuff. Bro, whoever um, this writer is, shouts out. We are going to shout out this writer. Give me one second. The writer is Sean McIndo, and this well, was an article he wrote today. Great name. Yeah, right? All right, gentlemen. You guys ready to see who's in between the pipes for this uh, band of bums? Because... <laughs> <laughs> Because between the pipes, obviously a loser, this offseason acquisition was supposed to blossom after being buried as a backup on his old team. But he gets shelled for five goals in each of his first two starts, pretty much putting an end to any thought of earning the starter's role. By the first week of December, his record was a pitiful 3-7-1 to go with an 8-7-6 save percentage. That's 20 points below league average. Get this bum out of here or at least get him a real mask. Boo this man. (laughs) Ooh. Oh, you just booed 1993, 1994, Dominic Hashik. Big Hash. Here's how that turned out. He stops 104 of 109 shots in the next three games and finishes the season with an 8 3 and 3 roll. He becomes the unquestioned starter a year later and wins six of the next eight Vesnas while becoming arguably the greatest goalie in NHL history. Dominic Hashik. In between the pipes for this absolute band of buffoonery, the terrible hockey players that have formed this team. We're just going to call them the bum squad. Uh, Or the bees. Or the The bees bees. uh, for short. Hope you gentlemen enjoyed that. And I hope the listeners enjoyed that because that was really fun to go through. That was awesome. I found so much humor in reading this. If if any of the listeners or you gentlemen have uh, athletic.com subscriptions, I highly suggest finding this article. Because nothing is funnier than the rest of the lines. Like we're like like I said, they feel they formed a full twenty man roster with these players, and it just keeps getting funnier. <laughs> the, <laughs> the farther you go down the list, um, so unless you gentlemen have something more pressing, we will get the BBC done and wrap up this episode. Well, <laughs> BBC done. It is November. It is November, and that this is. month is the start of Hockey Fights Cancer, which is probably the biggest, biggest charity month in the sport. And it's uh, it's good, you know. You hear great stories about hockey fans and hockey players and their, you know, their stories with cancer and how it's affected them in their lives. And it's a great month. Raise a lot of money. 
So agreed. And I'm glad you brought that up, Matt, because it's obviously something incredible that the NHL does uh, to support cancer survivors and those dealing with cancer. Currently, the entire month of November is devoted to hockey fights cancer, which is great. So the NHL.com, you can go on their website. There's a full list of hockey fight fights, cancer nights for each NHL organization. It has the dates listed who they play. They're all home games, obviously, for those teams. Uh, and some and some of the proceeds from all ticket sales of those nights will go to, I believe, the organization's choice um, cancer research center or um, an organization that helps cancer survivors, cancer patients, so on and so forth. So, yes, the entire month of November is devoted to Hockey Fights Cancer. You can get your Hockey Fights Cancer merch at NHL.com. You basically know where to go for that, folks. Um, to continue into the BBC to wrap up the episode, let's start here with, you know, we'll start with the, we'll start with the spread. I like, you want to know what? Yeah. I like the Columbus blue jackets to cover the one and a half spread against the Colorado avalanche. Uh, I think they're coming into their own offensively as a team. They're starting to really just kind of become themselves as an offensive unit, especially line A and Voracek uh, coming off a fresh win where they scored a good, good amount and got that shootout W as well. I think that they'll be able to cover that one and a half spread against Colorado avalanche. So lock that one in. Uh, we're going to go to the money line. I, I like the, uh, I like the St. Louis blues over the LA Kings. I know that that's the favorite, but I just think that it's a, it's an obvious go-to there um, just to me personally. Um, I just don't think the LA Kings are going to be able to keep up with those blues and how hot they're playing right now, even though their goaltender is a little bit of a crybaby. Um, and then we will go. Uh, how do we not talk about that? Well, what you we had so much to that. go over. That's how we just had so much to go through. I'm um, glad he admits it. I'm glad you admit it, Bing. I still like him. You still like him, but yeah. you'll admit he's just a little crybaby. Yeah, he'll grow up. I mean, hey, um, <laughs> Will you he? could say you could say Patrick Waugh was a crybaby. He won I heard a great clubs, comparison so. about him and uh, how he's basically like the Brad Marchand of goaltenders. Like he just does shit and can get away with it because he's just Brad Marchand. Yeah, pretty much. I would, uh, you know what? I could, Benetton, I could, I could agree with that actually. But Benetton's the same way. He just does shit because he can get away with it. They let him do it, so he's gonna do it. And to cap off the BBC, we got the over under. I am blasting the over for the Nashville Edmonton game. That's set at six and a half. And, you know, we know the Oilers are going to score four on their own. Uh, and, you know, they have no defense or goaltending, so they're going to give up three anyway. So that's seven already. Might as well blast that over. Life is too short to bet the under, folks. And that concludes the BBC. And that ought to do it for this episode of On the Power Play. Again, everybody, thank you for listening. As always, go follow us on our socials on Twitter and Instagram at OTPP pod in those socials. You will go to the link in the bio and you will go buy our merch. We have a merch store folks. We got everything you're going to need for the upcoming cold weather as the winter is coming. Get your sweatshirts, get your blankets, get your masks, get your hats. We got all the things you're going to need. I believe we have a mug for your hot chocolate or coffee. Go get that while you're there as well. Um, Go buy the merch folks. It's incredible stuff. Again, thank you for listening. This has been On the Power Play. We out! Okay, everybody.